Up next on Inside the SCCA, the Rickla. My guest on this episode of Inside the SCCA, longtime SCCA race control operator, rally driver, and navigator, and all around good guy, John Dillon. He's also the developer, of great, the developer of a great tool for keeping track of what's going on on the track. John, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I put, I said, up next, the Rickla. And people are like, is that a race? Is that an event? Is that some crazy rally thing? Is it a whatever? And it's actually a piece of software. We're going we're gonna to get to that in a second. Um, I saw John using this at a race and I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, uh, we're going to talk about that and how you might want to get it for your region. And we'll get onto that in just a second. But we always start the show. If you've listened with the, the going in the way back machine. And I ask everybody, how did you get mixed up in this crazy sport that we all love? Uh, March 12th of 1988, I was visiting friends in Phoenix and they invited me out to Firebird Raceway. They said, you know, uh, we do this thing called flagging. <clears throat> it's uh, not real exciting, but it's fun. Uh, the food's kind of crummy, and you weren't meet a lot of women. But still, you know, we have a good time. So I went. First session, a car rolled at our feet. The dinners were hosted by the Chevy dealers, and it was awesome. And uh, there were some wonderful people there that I met, and I kept coming back because that's it's all about the people. Isn't it, though? It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not a gearhead, but I know more about cars than I did before. Sure. But, you know, the people uh, that I have met, you know, in these last 35 years, um, you know, these are my dear friends now. Yeah. I, I, I always tell people I started because of the cars. I was 16 and loved things that went fast and. I think this was my father's attempt to keep me out of jail and out of a, out of being six feet under. And, um, you know, my dad was a driver way back when. And, and so it was the cars first, but you don't do anything for 35 years because of just the cars. There's, That's right. There's gotta be something else. And, and, um, my best friends, all of them, I think. Yeah. Pretty much all of them are from the racetrack in some form or fashion. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it's, it's all about, it's all about that. So, so you started as a flagger and then you you do some rally. Yeah. How'd you yeah. get, how'd you get involved with that? Well, I used to write for sports car okay, and, and California sports car. <clears throat> and we had a, a national rally at rim of the world in Palmdale. They needed someone to help the, uh, press liaison who was Andy Shupak. So I, I was uh, recommended. I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And I went out and um, discovered the sport. Uh, and along the way, I worked with some uh, fascinating people that gave me some insight into the sport itself. And then a couple of years later, when a friend of mine who was also a flagger, he uh, decided to rent a rally car, said, hey, I'd like you to co-drive for me. So I got in the car. That was east of India in 1995 my first time as a co-driver and now i've got a 178 rallies under my belt <laughs> of which eight of them are as a driver so, okay 
Because <laughs> well, I, I and the only reason I, I knew you were a co-driver, and the only reason I wrote down driver is because you and a, and a good friend of ours, you know, you guys went out and did a rally a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was his first. Yes, it and, was. And he was your co-driver, right? That's right. He's one of our starters yep. usually. Yep. Yeah. So in a hundred in how many rallies? 178 rallies. 178 rallies. I have to ask the question. You know what question's coming, right? <laughs> I think so. Have you thrown up in the helmet yet? Uh, brand new helmet. First time I bought it. Yep. yep. I, I rallied for two years with borrowed gear. <laughs> and finally, I went. I was at a track event, uh, SCCA Las Vegas region. Mm -hmm. And I bought a helmet there, Simpson Voyager, which had really tight mm. cheek pads. And we were on the twistiest rally in the California rally series. And I got sick in the car, but the, the worst part is putting the helmet back on mm -hmm. for three more stages, <laughs> but we finished on the podium. There you so, go. Was worth it. You throw and go. That's <laughs> I love it. I've always been worried about that, you know, cause uh, I have a little motion sickness thing. I'm fine when I'm driving, mm -hmm. um, but when I'm a passenger, um, I had a heck of a time. I was an EMT for 12 years in the first year in the back of an ambulance. And oh. you can't really see what's going on. I was fine when I had a patient back there because I had something to focus on that it wasn't the rolling of the ambulance. But yes. going to the call and from the hospital back to the sh to the to the station, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to die. Oh, my uh, God, I'm going to die. Wow. And uh, and the doctor, I went to him. I said, I can't do this job if. I, I'm going to get sick in the back. He goes, no, give it some time. Your body and your equilibrium will get used to that molding and, and everything. And it did. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but I was always scared to death. I'd, I'd puke in my helmet, which is why I've never tried rally. Yeah. Um, well, most rallies wear a three quarter helmet. Right. Um, but even so that's still, you know, you've got microphones sure. in front of me. <laughs> and I've had drivers that threw up. Oh my gosh. Really? We were, we were the first car ever to race up Pikes Peak at night uh, when the SCCA was running the Pikes Peak as one of our one of our national championship events, right, and it happened to be that we were first car on the road, and Leon got sick and uh, he leaned out of the car immediately before we started. And they're waving a green flag right. and he's curling on this side. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, I just so. had to ask. Thank you for humoring me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought you were going to ask that. You know, how many times have I gone turtle? Oh well, you know, there's that too. 178 rallies. How many times you've been upside down? Uh, upside down, at least three, I think. Okay. Yeah, had a couple of uh, the 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 wildest crash was uh, just 16 months ago in Oregon. Mm. We rolled three times at the same time. We also spun three quarters of a time, and then we also slid down the road. And fortunately, not off the cliff. Right. But if you're going to crash, do it in a spectator area. Yeah, because they'll push you right back over. Yeah, yeah, there's that too. I, we got back to the hotel, and there's already video of our crash on YouTube. There you go. I'll have to. <laughs> we'll put the link of that uh, in the show notes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, of the three times you went upside down, were you able to continue on for any of those, or was they pretty much done? Uh, let's see. Um, first one was on. Uh, no, no, definitely not the first one. That was a really fast one at Prescott. Second one was on my honeymoon. I had two rallies on my honeymoon. <laughs> and um, uh, we couldn't continue on that one either. They okay. didn't have super rally rules at that point. And the third time was with Ralph and definitely not. And uh, there might have been a fourth roll. I can't remember now. I know that there's been 
a couple of big, big crashes. Yeah. That, um, but that were not rollovers. I was oh, go- well, actually Oregon Trail. You counted as a combination. So yeah, right. there was definitely a roll in there. I was watching the last Extreme E uh, event out of Uruguay, and mm-hmm. in the finals, uh, one of the cars rolled over three times, ended up on its wheels, put it in gear, back away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, that was that was pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, Reese Millen and R- Chrissy Beavis did that at the Laughlin Rally one year. It, yeah, he had a handy lead. It was a super special at the end of the end of the day. He rolled the car on the last corner. But landed on the wheels, continued, and won the event. Yeah. No, they, they brought that car back, ran like 12, 13 more laps <laughs> afterwards, and didn't win, but uh, it was it was fun to watch nonetheless. So from flagger to race control, that's how you and I know each other. That's uh, right. John is the race, one of the race control, the main race control operator for uh, for SECA uh, Cal Club and, and Vintage out here as well and a couple of other, I'm guessing. And uh, I I do the race, shocking to everyone, the race announcing. Um, And uh, so we get to spend some time together up there. And you were in race control, um, I don't remember how long ago. Because usually I'm in my little booth and I don't get a chance to pay. Oh, no, it was at at Vintage because we're in the same booth together. That's when I first noticed the program. Oh, Um, yes, yes. And uh, and I said, oh, I got to get that, a copy or be able to see that in the the announce booth. but uh, for those who don't know, in, in race control, there's a couple of people. There's, uh, there's the communicator who uh, is talking with the corners, and, uh, and then there's the uh, race control operator who's basically kind of just the second uh, eyes and ears. And then you've got your chief steward or your operating steward who's making all the decisions as to where to go and how to get there and when we throw a yellow flag and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got a logger in the back. Somewhere, right. usually, uh, writing down everything that goes on, and it's all done, for for most part, manually. Um, but I saw you playing with this program, and you call it RICLA, uh, which is short for uh, Race Control Clock and Log Application. Um, tell us a little bit about it. Well, um, when I first started flagging, I created these notepads of the standard calls that we use so that I could get used to making the calls correctly. You know, we want to follow protocol so that even if the communication is slightly garbled, because of the patterns that we use, we can decipher what's being said. Right. So uh, when I started doing race control itself, which was in the early 90s, um, I developed my own cheat sheet so that I didn't have to longhand out all the calls. I'd learned some tips from various people, but it was like, take it to the next level. And finally... I, I just decided, you know, I can, I, you know, I, I've been a, you know, I was a software developer for over 30 years. Why not just build something for myself? And the original purpose was to provide two clocks right. that run asynchronously. One is for the boards for counting down till we release cars. And the other was for the session clocks. But then I decided, well, if I can do that, then these common things, I can grab timestamps for the log. So I started adding features to that. And then it was like, well, but we have different types of racetracks, different turn station notation. So I added some features so you can customize that. And then I started adding some of our other standard, uh, less standard calls. Um, And then it was just like a matter of, okay, let's see, how do I consolidate all this? Right. And that's how Rickla was developed. So 
I guess we skipped a step. You're a computer science professor, so you know a little bit about writing programming. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, there is that. <laughs> and that certainly helps it. Um, because when I first looked over your shoulder, and I, without, it looked like kind of a spreadsheet on steroids. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know you've got, you've got a program where you've got like single keys to do things and kind of like hotkeys. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I saw as, as the process. I do the same thing in in the race booth is every time I hear a call, I have my own little code that I write, you Mm -hmm. know, so I write the car number and then the turn number. So I'll put, you know, two nine T two. So it's car 29 turn two. And, Uh and then, and then whatever, happen you know for on for off whatever the case may be so i can talk about it on the race broadcast and and you have a a much more elegant solution (laughs) than my little chicken scratch well it 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 came from the original chicken scratch though um and there are moments where i will still chicken scratch on the side if things get really busy i've added a feature where i can hit a button to get the turn number and the timestamp right away, and then I can go back and edit it to say, okay, from my chicken scratch, oh, it was a three-two blue contact with a seven-nine green as a result. Seven-nine spun and continued. Um, you know, that's a lot to be processing. Right. Uh, one thing that has helped is that I've adapted uh, the program so that it works really well on a touch screen. So if your laptop has a touch screen. Um, it's really easy to keep up uh, in all but the most crazy situations. Right, right. And it just utilizes a, a regular laptop, right? And nothing fancy yeah. on the computer side of things? Nope, nothing fancy. It's uh, um, I, I wrote it in uh, VB.net, which means it's going to be a Windows uh, device. Um, but it's a standalone program. You don't have to have network connectivity or anything else to, to be able to run it. Um, it's... Uh, uh, and you know, you can download it, uh, you know, if you like and play with it. It's just, um, uh, I've, I've had a few folks over the years, um, have asked for suggestions or, or asked for things to change. And, um, in most cases I have been able to accommodate them. So how, how long have you been developing the program? I think the first version was probably... Oh, four or five years ago, maybe. Right. Maybe else. Um, I'm up to version 4.5 something now. Right. The the numbering is a little bit arbitrary. I will, uh, if I do a major uh, enhancement, like I add some dramatic new feature, it'll be a full point or, or full release. But um, if it's, uh, you know, just adding a couple of extra options, you know, that'll be a point release. So looking at the interface, um, you have several buttons on it. When you press one of those buttons, does that collect the timestamp? Absolutely. Okay. Right at that moment. And, and, the, and the reason I did that is, so let's say, for example, turn three calls in, turn three waving. I hit the turn three button, and if I'm with a group that insists on recording whether they're waving or not, I mean, personally, I trust them to flag correctly. Right. I don't But... I hit the turn three button, it immediately grabs that time and then waits for the rest of the information right. before logging it. So um, it just gives it, a, you know, in terms of, and it grabs it to the second. Right. So, you know, right. which is 60 times better than the normal written, handwritten logs. Right. 
And for, for those folks who are maybe not uh, you know, a little new to the SCCA and are, are catching the podcast here, is, we're kind of going a little inside baseball on this, um, you know, because we're talking to, to our race workers who are really familiar and intimate with all of the way we do things. Um, but, but it does have pretty much all of the, the main things that we talk about on a call mm-hmm. as a button where there really doesn't need to be any typing. You know, so I see the buttons here, full course yellow, um, uh, five minute board, three minute board, last lap, checkered flag. So a lot of these things that we would be jotting down on a piece of paper, you know, you, the, uh, the, the operator who's using the system can just make that click and it puts it right into the log with a timestamp. Um, and I'm sh- now, is there a way if you have to get a little more detailed with the information where you can just type in more info? Oh, Absolutely. If you tap the call button, which starts the, you know, the the routine business outside of the administrivia, like you know the boards and the session information right. and so on, um, you hit the call button. Up comes a list of the turn stations that you have selected for your racetrack. So, for example, Will Springs, we've got nine turns basically. Sure. Ignoring some nuances about A's and B's, um, you hit that button. Up comes the turn selection. You tap that, and now you have the common choices relating to a car and you just tap the car number and color. And the most common things that happen at the racetrack is a car uh, spin, uh, spins, spun and continued, right. Or it falls off the track. And we call that an off and on uh, with maybe some options of being evasive of another car. Sure. Well, you can tap all of that inside of two seconds. Yeah. But if it's out of the ordinary, there's a big box at the bottom of that where for the car number, you can type in that, you know, uh, they're smoking center rear, um, uh, but not putting anything on the track. So there's a lot of flexibility there. Now, you have it set up, I'm sure, for all the tracks that you go to normally. Correct. So let's say I'm in the southeast division and I want to grab your software and we're going to Rebling Road. Yes. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've ever been to Rebling Road or not, but let's just say you haven't. And, okay. and I need to set up the software for that particular racetrack. How easy or how hard is that? It's a menu choice. It's called configuration. And when you click on configuration, you have an option that says load and edit or just edit uh, a configuration. And from there, you can type in uh, it's a you give it a header, like just a just a title of the file for convenience. Right. And then uh, list in the terms that you have for that course. Um, I, I still use that quite a bit, even for our existing tracks. You know, we race a lot at Button Willow, which has uh, I mean, the, all the permutations, but we have probably <laughs> a dozen right. really active combinations that we use. So I'll edit that for based on the number of people we have, because, you know, sometimes, too, if you're shorthanded, which turns do you throw away? I'll just put that aside. Right. Right. It's very, very easy to edit. And under the covers, it's just a text file. So if you feel like it, you can go in with Notepad right, um, or a CSS HTML validator or any of these other text editors, boom, and edit it yourself. Now, at the end of the session, can you save the session, label it, and it goes into an archive folder, and hopefully no one protests and you'll ever have to see it again? Is that right. kind of a, a, an option to be able to save each session individually? Uh, Yes. Currently, the system saves everything in the file that you have defined when you started the program. It prompts you, 
what is the log file you want to save for the day. However, I've added a feature, and this was at the request of one of the other sanctioning bodies that I've worked with, that they wanted to be able to export session by session. And so there's a, under the file menu, you can say export, and then you just choose, um, you know, which of the calls are relevant. Right. They also asked so that um, they want to only export driver errors. Huh. So, you know, basically a bad boy log. Sure. They would give it to their the uh, driving instructors right. for that group. Interesting. So Interesting. there's another option there now, too, for that. So and, and now you and I had talked and 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 I've actually thought about just putting it on my computer and using it for my my own purposes. Sure. Um, but one of the things we talked about was um, taking a feed off of your computer so mm-hmm. that I can see it in in the broadcast booth and then I don't have to press any buttons and I can just look at it, which would be helpful to me because uh, yeah. I'm doing a thousand other things while I'm in there. Um, but this is a situation and obviously this isn't part of what you support with the program. Um, mm-hmm. But you could take and split that off and you could give several people a monitor with a read only version of this um, so that other people who are working in race control can see the log and see it happening, too. Um, yeah, I, I I haven't given it much thought except for what you and I talked about, right. where basically we run a, a, a cable and duplicate my monitor. Right. But of course, if I switched over to check email during a quiet part, you'd be reading my email, too. Right. Well, there, there <laughs> yeah. is that. <laughs> but we could, uh, yeah, that's certainly a possibility. I, I don't and, know who would want something like that. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I would think that maybe there would be other, you know, like the emergency um, dispatcher um, sure. could see that information real time. And yeah. then it would help them to be able to send, you know, the emergency trucks, the tr- fire trucks, the tow trucks, whatever, um, to to the proper place. Yeah, I would think that tech would also find it useful because. Sure frequently calling down the tech when there are contact calls, you know, so that, you know, Hey, you got to talk to these two drivers because, you know, they bumped one another. Right. They would have that specific information because they're always calling back. What turn did it happen? Who was whose fault, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. You could take, um, uh, just an HDMI splitter. I've got a three way Mm -hmm. HDMI splitter and you could send it to three different monitors that way. Um, uh, right off the side of a laptop. So, the hotter setup probably would be to add a, a network interface where I could uh, make the data available. Um, you know, they wouldn't need to see any of the buttons, just right. the clocks. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and, you wouldn't want to, it would be a read-only situation. You wouldn't, um, yeah. you wouldn't need to touch anything, but uh, yeah, just a thought. Um, sure. So, so playing, we like to role play in, in following in communications. This is one of the things we do. Uh, uh-huh. Role playing, John. Uh, uh-huh. I, I want to buy your software or I want to use your software, but I've got this idea and, uh-huh. and where it, you know, I don't know if this will help anybody else, but it would help my organization. Um, can mm-hmm. you help me with a little customization? Yeah, probably. Um, uh, most recently there was a guy back East in Colorado or someplace who's got a racetrack and he said, I love your software. I've seen the YouTube videos that you, you put together. Um, and I would like to, uh, adapt it for motorcycle racing. And I've never done any motorcycle racing stuff, sure. but, um, you know, he told me what neat, you know, we call things spun and continued and off and on for them. It's bike down, rider down. Sure. So yeah, I added a, a motorcycle option. You click a choice under the, the configuration menu and, and now you see motorcycle calls. So, um, and, and like I mentioned before, you know, there's another sanctioning body that's actually using this 
for all of their events. And they, you know, they specifically ask for uh, improvements and whenever possible, I'll provide them. Right. And a lot of times those improvements might be helpful to someone else who hasn't asked for it, you know? Absolutely. That's how most software happens <laughs> is that, you know, someone says, oh, I could use this. And then you put it in the program and everyone goes, why it wasn't this here forever? Because it's helpful <laughs> yeah. to everybody. That's right. That's so, right. So when you were doing the motorcycle, did they ask you to put, you know, broke leg, dumb guy got back on bike and drove off? <laughs> that was the, that's what you type in the little extra oh, box. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, level of detail we don't normally request. <laughs> anybody who's ever flagged a motorcycle event knows exactly what I'm talking about. There's a little mm -hmm. bit of crazy involved with the guys who do motorcycle, guys and gals who do motorcycles. Yeah. And the monkeys in the sidecars. Ooh, crazy uh, stuff. People think rally drivers are crazy uh, or worse, navigate You know, yeah. the co-drivers are crazy. No, nah, it's the sidecar guys. Cool. That's true. Very much so. So what have I not asked about? What are the features that I I don't know about that are in here that uh, we haven't talked about yet? Um, there are a couple of things that uh, some options, for example, uh, you can set it so that the clock restarts uh, when uh, the green flag drops. Okay. So when you release the cars, sometimes it takes two or three minutes to come around and take the green. The clock will restart at that moment uh, if you set it to be to do that. Uh, if we have an alert situation, the background turns red. So okay. you know you're working something critical. And then once you cancel the alert, then everything goes back to normal. And, you know, you, in race control, we reopen for business. Uh, everybody else has held their non-essential calls. You know, um, and, and that strikes me as being important because I've I've done race control um, mm -hmm. when I, I did a very good job, by the way. Oh, well. Thank you. You're filling in for me. Uh, I was I was off rallying oh, somewhere. Well, I was the flag chief in New York region for several years, and mm -hmm. and the flag chief in that particular situation was basically the the race control communicator. Ah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, but that would strike me as being an important feature because one of the things that I always uh, not always but you can forget when you're working an alert mm -hmm. is to downgrade the alert. Yeah. And if that red light, if that red screen is staring you in the face, you realize, oh, wait, I've not asked if we can downgrade the alert yet. And mm -hmm. and it, it's kind of almost a tickler that says, right. hey, idiot, you know, maybe this is past the alert stage and ask the corner, hey, you know, control to turn six. Can we downgrade your alert? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, yeah, we could have done that a half hour, <laughs> 10 minutes yeah, ago. Right. But but <laughs> that 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 blaring red screen to me would say, hey, we're still an alert. You know, is it time to maybe ask that question? That's um, right. Because you also want to downgrade the alert as soon as possible, because something may have happened somewhere else on the track that you need to find out about. Um, if it's important enough, they'll bust in. But still, things happen. That's right. That's right. And uh, and different tracks in different regions handle alerts differently. You know, we we tend to wait for our emergency team to say you can stand it down. Right. Whereas in San Francisco, uh, it tends to be the flagger or uh, race control Rio will say, hey, can we stand it down? Right. Right. So there's flexibility there either way. Um, right. So now you had asked about other features. There's another it's it's a it's a tr it, it may seem like a trivial feature, but sometimes when you set up the, the session, you define how long it's going to be. Twenty two minutes, right. twenty minutes, whatever. And then you might be switching over to qualifying where it's only 20 minutes and you forgot to change it. Mm. Well, 
I might, I, I, I think this was probably version two. It was like, if I forgot, I can change it dynamically and it will prompt me. Do I want to make that 20 minutes for the session running now or for the one after? Oh, okay. So if I had it set wrong, it will correct. Sure. And, and give me an accurate down count. Um, otherwise, I can just say, well, I'm now priming the pump for, you know, for the next session. Right, right. And um, and I'm guessing there's there's ways to hold the clock if you need to, if there's a black flag or a red flag situation, depending on the organization. Some let that clock roll, some don't. I have not yet set, uh, that, that's something that's on my wish list, uh, having a clock freeze on a red flag. But, um, and that would be a configuration option, you know, sure. stop clock red. But um, at this point, I haven't done that. And you're actually the first person to officially ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, version 4.9 is going to be the Brian Bolansky version. That's it. I'll put your name on it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, um, oh, I should mention help, the help file, because there is a lot of help information. Okay. Um, uh, I've got some training videos up. Uh, if you go to the, the Rickla website, you'll see links to the YouTube playlist, which has um, information about how do you configure it? How do you operate it? And so right. on. Um, but there's also online help. Um, if you, there's a help, you know, a menu and you pull down that and it will give you the basic operation of everything. Uh, there's also version control for, for the geeks amongst us that want to know what's different between 3.2 and 3.31, right? <laughs> um, and all of those, I wrote them so that I can extract them from a common data source. So the help file is one thing, but then it generates the web page that you see on the website, and it also generates the help file that you see in the program. Right. So there's a lot of information available there. Um, but you know, as you mentioned before, I, you know, I am always receptive to other ideas. Sure. Uh, how to improve it. Sure. So, so this is the time in the show where I ask the, the really important questions. Mm -hmm. So I, I want, I want to use your program, you know, how many hundreds of dollars am I going to have to spend to buy it? Uh, you could spend a thousand dollars, uh, pay it to your region, buy workers, lots and lots of lunches, trinkets and hats. Um, but I take nothing. Um, I mean, it's been, I've been encouraged to put it on the market and support it and sell it and whatever, but um, it's free. Just take it, just <laughs> use it. Um, but don't ask me to port it to a Linux box or a Mac because I'm just not there yet. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. That was going to be my next question. So it's it's a PC-based system, right? It's a PC-based system, yeah. And it's because of the, the development environment that I built. Uh, sure. It's really easy building visual stuff in that environment. You don't have to do a lot of the back-end listeners and enablers and handlers right. and all that. A lot of it's hand, uh, handled for you in the in the uh, development package. Right. So, And if you and, run a Mac, you could always switch it over to the PC side. You yeah. know, I know a lot of folks have done that and have, there's a PC kind of, uh, uh, you, you partition, partition your drive and you put a PC on, you know, a Windows on one partition and Mac on the other. So- or, or you can even just use a tool like Parallels or right. uh, the Mac, uh, the PC emulator. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not doing any of the really deep dive um, 
code stuff that doesn't work well with emulators sure. is pretty basic. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's it's um it's elegant in its simplicity. Um it doesn't it doesn't look real sexy. Um, but it does have all the buttons and the tools that you need, right? Right, right. Yeah. And that was my goal. Make exactly. it easy. Exactly. All right. So if people want to get the program, want to contact you about it, what's what's the best places to go? Um, well, the uh, website, I understand that you'll put the, the link to widgetteamsoftware.com uh, slash rickla.htm um, yep. up on the, uh, in your, uh, in the, the show notes. In the show notes, and um, or they can send email to me at rally at jpmd.net. Great, yep, I'll be in the show notes as well. Right, um, if you go to YouTube, uh, you can look for the playlist. Uh, let's see that playlist. I'll be putting the YouTube playlist also on the oh, okay. uh, in the show notes. So, so if you're yeah. driving down the highway, pulling your your race trailer or heading over to the racetrack, don't don't get into a crash trying to write this stuff down. As okay. I always tell people, it'll all be in the show notes. And when you click on the show notes, I get a nice attaboy from Apple Podcast or wherever in Spotify. So, um, but yeah, it'll all be there in the show notes. And um, um, yeah, I, I was just. We've talked about this for a while. It's just it's a really cool piece of software, and it's uh, and it's you've done something cool by putting it out there for all of us in the SCCA to use, and um, cool stuff. Thank you, thank you. Cool. All right, uh, that is going to do it. John Dillon, my guest here on Inside the SCCA. This is uh, I think it's episode seventy-eight. Wow. Yeah. Edward Warren, you're going to have the number of rallies that we need. I know. I know. So, uh, John, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming out with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Inside the SECA. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the Racing Wire Podcast Network so you won't miss an episode. It would also be great if you leave a comment, especially if it's a good one. If it's a bad one, put it on someone else's podcast page. You can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is. Leave a question. On Twitter, it's at RacingWireNet. There's a new Inside the SCCA every week. I'm Brian Belansky. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and go play with cars.